Let's get into the New York Giants because the season is dead as a doornail. They are just floating around after the shipwreck waiting to drown. Stout Brothers New York Sports. We are back after week nine of the NFL season. World Series is now over. The baseball offseason is here. The basketball season is well underway and hockey is still going strong enough. I have not been checking in on hockey, but um, Mark, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I just found out that uh, my favorite mayor of New York City is in uh, a little bit of trouble. What did he do this uh, time? Well, uh, I'm just reading this article. It, it, it seems like this is real. I think he was laundering money through a Brooklyn construction company and maybe also the Turkish government. That's right. So just we'll keep your, an eye on that. Your very <laughs> average New York City mayor things. And that's not as much of a joke as I wish it was. Yeah, so so <laughs> um, we're going to keep an eye on that. But uh, as always, all my haters will become my waiters <laughs> when I sit down at the table of success. <laughs> And Eric Adams will be at the other head of that table, won't he, Morg? <laughs> Absolutely, as always. How are you? Have it out. I'm doing good. Um, I'm doing good. I Actually, I didn't tell you this. I'm supposed to be starting a new job tomorrow, which is way uptown. So <laughs> we're going to awesome. see how that hey, goes. <laughs> congratulations, new Yankees hitting coach. Yes. Yes. It's a new job in the Bronx. And that is, uh, unfortunately... <laughs> I am going to be brought in as Brian Cashman's next scapegoat. <laughs> yeah, it's well, you know, you should have a couple couple months before the fans start calling for your heads. So. Yeah, of course. As now, long as you teach everyone how to bunt, it as, should be fine. as everybody knows, I was the former uh, hitting coach for the Detroit Tigers who finished somehow with the only offense worse than the New York Yankees. So they thought that my expertise would be apt. And Yeah, uh, fa- very famously applicable. a team I, I'm not a huge fan of, the Detroit Tigers. Yes. But. The, the, hey, the model of success that everybody wants to emulate, <laughs> the 2023 Detroit Tigers. Um, yeah, so should we – anyway. I mean, we're already on that. Do you want to just do that real quick? Sure. Why don't you uh, – okay, So the Yankees, in case you don't know what we're talking about, you're probably lost already. Uh, the Yankees, I think today, this morning, hired a new hitting coach, James Rousen or Rosen. That's it. Our, uh, I'm not sure on the pronunciation because I've never heard of him before, but he was um, – Used to be a Yankees minor league hitting coach, uh, I think in, from 2013 to 2017, and uh, spent the last couple seasons in the Tigers organization as an assistant. Uh, and I think seems like this is a guy Aaron Judge really likes, and that's kind of why they brought him on board. He knows Judge from their time in the minors. Um, so seems like that's why they brought him on board, his familiarity with the players. And this is kind of the hire I wanted. Uh, not this guy specifically, but I did say I want someone who worked with the guys in the minors. I kind of met the guys who are young now, not like the 31-year-old superstars, but hey, whatever. I'll take what I can get. It's not Sean Casey. <laughs> you have to take what you can get. And also, if Judge likes him, then you have to believe, you know, there. that's enough credibility for me to at least say, hey, give him a shot. <laughs> Why not? Um, so, you know, Judge, I know coming into the offseason was like, I have a lot of ideas. And, you know, I, Michael Kay was very pointed about saying that he, you know, believed in what he had to say. And he had a lot, a lot of ideas on how to fix things. And it was up to whether or not they would listen to him. So that could be a good sign on, you know, where the Yankees stand on their relationships with their players, because that kind of seemed to be a minor issue the last few years where there's a complete disconnect between the front office, the management and the players. The best example of that is Harrison Bader, not knowing that he was leading off in a playoff game until, you know, Boone was like, well, everybody gets the lineup card. It's like, maybe you want to talk to him about that before you just pencil him in there. Anyway. um, So, well, I just want to say real quick, we're recording this Tuesday at two 12 PM. Yes. Uh, Hal Steinbrenner has spoken to the media earlier today. Still waiting to hear from uh, Darth Sidious Brian Cashman. <laughs> um, isn't isn't Hal in this case Darth Sidious with Cashman kind of being more of a Darth Vader type? I don't know. I've never seen Star Wars. Yeah, um, lame. And that yet you choose <laughs> to make a reference. I I don't know. He's not, that's the bad guy. He's <laughs> the guy in charge. So, uh, but so Hal Steinbrenner did have a press conference today and. Honestly, people are making a big thing of it on Twitter because he said some weird stuff. But Hal Steinbrenner's a weird guy, just not good with the media. 
He's um, always been weird. I, he, he's not his father when it comes to the press. No. Which I think is a good thing, but people disagree with me on that. It's. I mean, we've had the discussion about you know Big George. I was going to say Big Stein, and then it turned into Big George, but that works too. Um, but of uh, of George being like this kind of you know mythical figure, and how not really at want either wanting or having anything to do with the way that he ran the uh, the the organization. And you know today, I don't know if you want to pull some quotes or something or talk about what he had to say but yeah he's i don't know he's kind of an he's odd just a guy very strange man he is um, okay so yeah uh the main thing he said that everyone is kind of dunking on on twitter all the baseball media nerds um and i'm including myself in that uh <laughs> the main thing he said was that uh aaron boone wants the team to bunt more which i actually understand uh i don't really share that they need to be bunting more but i understand because there was a situation last year where there were guys who you would expect to be able to bunt someone over to third that couldn't do it. Kyle Higashioka comes to mind particularly. <laughs> so that I do agree with, that they need to be able to bunt. Uh, the more is really where I disagree with that. I don't think they really need to be bunting more. I just think that when they do bunt, they need to be able to get it down. So that was kind of a concerning thing to hear. But again, he's a weird guy. I, I don't really... I think he was just kind of floundering so, for anything to say. Yeah, because he is such a, you know, an oddball, I, I think that that more so i i also don't know how i mean i believe that he understands you know baseball as well as anybody um but i think that more represents like a a, an ideology more it's it's what bunting represents if you will um and it's more of a shift towards small ball and fundamental baseball that the yankees again have been lacking um and uh actually this this guy that they brought in um again I, i can't get his name in my head James Rousen um I think he was the hitting coach for like the 2017 to 19 twins or something who if you remember back to you know those playoff races and everything um the twins they hit, hit a, a shit ton of homers <laughs> like that was a team yeah. that just would smack the crap out of the ball part of that is because of that lineup that they had I mean Miguel Sano I think had like 40 something in one of those seasons or whatever I'm, I'm pretty sure they had I don't remember if it was 30 or 40 Nelson but they had Cruz, a record number yeah. of players hit 30 or 40 homers they had like five different guys hit 30 homers or something. It, was, like, it was it like was a something crazy around number. there it was like Nelson Cruz and Miguel Sano and like a bunch of those guys but they that you know if that's the philosophy again I mean look that idea has obviously it's worked for the Yankees in the past so everybody who's like go play small ball they they claimed that that's what they were trying to do this year and it obviously didn't work so I don't know like I personally I just want guys who can hit I I want more extra base hits I don't necessarily just need you know the contact oriented approach I just need I need clutch hitting which is not I people like to say it's not quantifiable I think it kind of is I think there's a way to at least get a number on it whether that's reliable or not could be a whole other discussion I think that there is a way to find a figure that would represent your ability to get a hit in a big spot when you need it but I I need more of that I need more extra base hits in general more doubles specifically Um, you see teams who are able to like get hits down the line or put balls in the gaps with supplemental home runs and power hitters on top of that, that's how you build a good offense. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not a one, you know, you can't, you can't be a one, uh, a one dimensional offense with the Yankees have been for years. And that's been the major, um, the major critique. Uh, and apparently right. last year, you know, they tried to get away from that, except then you have guys who are not major league hitters. So can you really say that you made an active effort? It's a pretty right. Um, it- and yeah, yeah, and going off of that, one of the other things he said that got pulled and dunked on was uh, he said that you don't need a three hundred million dollar payroll to win, which I agree with. You don't. You don't. Um, I don't think he deserves slack for that one. Honestly, uh, yeah, I think that they should be trying to develop more guys internally, uh, just for the speed aspect, if nothing else. They need young guys who can run the bases. Yeah. Um, I do understand why people would take that to me, and I don't want to spend any money. Like, I, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. But I've said this in the past, and I stand by it. I have a lot of criticisms of Hal as an owner. I do think he's willing to spend money. I think um, he is, too. I, I've never understood the cheap accusations. All of that can just be rounded back around to Cashman not spending the money wisely. <laughs> like, always. Right. That's like, always you, been the way it's I, been. I, I, you, if, you probably, if you add up, like, what Rodon and Stanton are making it's probably similar to what Simeon and Seeger are making on the Rangers right and that's your your allocation argument again I mean you have like three guys who total the Oakland A's from last season so it's you know and when you look at the production of some of them eh, I mean you know and also injuries play into that as well and that again goes back to you know the 
acquisition department. You get a, a guy who has a history of being hurt or, you know, is uh, over the hill to the point that it can be expected that they're going to get hurt. Or like Stanton, you know, maybe they have a body type that profiles into being hurt in the future. Um, right. So it's... Uh, Which you should be able to see coming. Exactly. And all of that, again, goes back to Brian Cashman. So it's... Uh, I mean, every Yankee fan now has been like... We're we're all caught up that everybody's mad at Cashman. Um, whereas yeah. like a year and, or two ago, that was kind of still like debatable. Um, but now that is beyond any kind of counter argument. I think everyone is pissed at him, and for very good reason. Um, so Hal is just like as an owner, his job is to you know obviously put a winner on the field. But it's also like he has a lot of partners that he's beholden to financially, so he can't like go out and say you know, we can't spend it freely, whatever. They're still the Yankees. They can spend as much money as they want as long as they win. Um, but I understand right. Hal saying, let's not go nuts because we don't have to. Right. Uh, and I have a criticism, another criticism of Brian Cashman, which, you know, I have several on this show and of course. I will make several more. As well. Uh, <laughs> they won't let me into the Zoom. I don't know why. I'm I'm media. Uh, so you got your creds and everything. I, I, don't know, I don't know what they're afraid of. They should talk to me. Yeah. A uh, the fan representative Morgan from Twitter. <laughs> I'm I'm media. I, I host a podcast that makes me as much media as some of those other fools. You know what was fine. Phil Munchnik in there? <laughs> oh my god! No, he's probably like writing a column about how jazz is ruining the youth. Uh, anyway, uh, I have a <laughs> I, I have a comment, uh, and this kind of relates to the uh, the old New York Mets over in Queens. Who uh, the recent update on them today is that their financial crimes owner. Is uh, starting what seems to be a new money laundering scheme through the form of the, through the form, I should say, of uh, tearing down the chop shops across from City Field, building a uh, very weird park, um, probably to hide his uh, bags of money in. But anyway, That's the right. Mets hired a manager, bro. Like Scrooge McDuck, they did, um, and they did steal one from across the river. Um, Carlos Mendoza is the new manager of the New York Mets. He was the bench coach for the Yankees for what the last five years, I want to say. Um, uh, he's been with the organization for a while. I, I, think, I think Josh Bard was the bench coach when Boone first got here. Yeah. So I want to say at least past three, but he's been with the organization for, for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from what I can gather on Carlos Mendoza, which again, he's a bench coach. There's not, hasn't been a lot of ink spilled on the role of Carlos Mendoza in the Yankees organization. Um, uh, but it seems like he was, you know, the disciplinarian way. He was the, he was the big stick that, that Boone held in his, in his arm. Um, allegedly, and whenever Boone would get tossed out, which was frequent, as we all know, um, Mendoza would obviously take over, and I, there didn't seem to be a huge difference of the way that things were ran when Mendoza would come in and, and take over the game. Um, so whatever that means to you, you can take that and run with it and spill some ink of your own. But um, so what do you think? You like gross. the hire? I, you know what? Last week when we talked about uh, Council going to the Mets, I said I wasn't really sure about you know if he was going to end up going there because it seemed like things were pointing to him staying in Milwaukee. Obviously, he went to Chicago and they ousted David Ross, which out yeah, they of knifed nowhere. him. They knifed him like Boston Robin Lex in the All Stars. Why would you do that to David? Ru he's like the sweetest man in baseball. <laughs> he's like a Cubs legend, quote unquote. Messed up. But it's, um, I, I don't I, can I just that. make my point real quick that yes. I want the Yankees to hire David Ross as the bench coach? I'm. I would be so good with that or i i also am now uh subscribing to the school of thought that's saying bring buck in as the bench coach i don't think he yeah. would accept that but i would be very fine with that i um, think that's that's kind of unfair to boone almost it's it, like his you had yes. like his replacement waiting but for him no 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 because they would never buck would never end up being the manager of the yankees he's too uh pragmatic <laughs> I, I just don't it's, think he'll want the job i think I he'll think go he back in the broadcasting or be the manager of the angels i really don't think he's interested in doing new york again Man, but um Rossi's friends with Rizzo, who's like Man, a huge voice from, on the team that's that is true i would i seriously i would be very okay with david ross and you know obviously he won at the end of his career with the cubs um which is where him he and boone Rizzo are pals from. yeah um yeah him and boone probably overlapped for eh, maybe not yeah Probably well, close. I know they, they have a good Ross relationship for because, a long time, but yeah, yeah, they have a good relationship. So I'd be more than okay with bringing on a uh, David Ross. But yeah, I mean the Mets. Let me say I'm a huge fan of this Carlos Mendoza hire, and let me explain why. Because it's gonna be um, bad for the Mets. No, <laughs> no, it's because. Are you familiar with Sal Licata? Yeah, I am. I'm not a fan. <laughs> a midday host on WFAN. Anyway, I like Brandon this, Tierney. Actually, believe it or not, but I, yeah, I'm not, I don't I'm not too like crazy about either Sal. of them, but. 
Sal is Terry kind of seems a, like he's got a head on his shoulders, and he's like reasonable enough, and he he knows when to go over the top. Sal just seems like a, you know, an ass. Yeah. But anyway. Well, let me say, Sal Cata, if you don't know who he is, is the wrongest man in America. Um, he's wrong about everything. This guy, I swear to God, he's never had an opinion on something that has turned out to be correct. Like last year, quite famously, last year meaning twenty twenty. Two, I forgot sure. what year it is for a second. Last year in 2022, he quite famously said that uh, the division was over. The Mets had buried the Braves on June 1st, <laughs> and that wasn't true. The Mets choked away a huge lead. Uh, and then this last offseason, he said that uh, DeGrom went to the Rangers, who are never going to win a World Series. They won a World Series in the first year. DeGrom wasn't a huge part of that, granted, but to wrong be fair, again. Yeah. Uh, and then this past uh, two weeks ago, he said that Kayvon Thibodeau is not an impact player. Kayvon Thibodeau's had like five sacks since he said that in two weeks. <laughs> so anyway, wrongest man in America. He thinks this is a horrible idea. So for that it's reason, great. I think Carlos Mendoza is going to be the new John McGraw. <laughs> that I, would I think be, that this is going to be a, a home run hire for the Mets because anything that guy says, I'm taking the, the opposite, opposite 100% of the time. Always. And I think he was uh, – I'm trying to remember. I know him and Tierney are both big like Jets fans, and they're they're very difficult. They're not as bad as uh, as Geo over there with Boomer. Like I can't even remember his real name, but that guy's an Norman? asshole. No, Geo. No. Oh, well, Boomer, yeah. But I, I love Boomer, but it's uh, – Oh, oh, yeah. Greg, Greg Giannotti. Yeah. That's it, Gio. Yeah, the, he's. I, I don't like that guy. If you're not up on your WFAN scuttlebutt, he he, uh, he basically made Carl Banks quit the station. Uh, oh no, no, that was uh, that was Salicata and Brandon Tierney. I thought that. Oh, Gio was the one who got on Twitter afterwards and was like crushing him for no reason uh, right. but that was that was Tierney and Sal. But yeah, they, they when, hung up when, on Carl Banks, which was this, a whole is, freaking thing. Yeah. Yeah, when Sal and Brandon went in on Kayvon Thibodeau, Carl Banks was reasonably trying to defend him. He was like, hey, he uh, had a monster game. They were like, but he doesn't do anything. And then he was like, all right, well, this is ridiculous. And then they hung up on him, and then he quit. They're idiots. So (laughs) anyway, they think this was bad, so I think it's good. And I'll continue to live the rest of my life that way. If they're endorsing a political candidate, I'll vote for the other one. (laughs) Or at least place a large wager. Um, Anyway, Mendoza to the Mets is, uh, I, I think... I, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I said about Hal kind of. It, it signifies something more than it actually is, um, which, you know, the Mets apparently really wanted Craig Council, and they apparently got outbid for him by the Cubs. Um, and that was supposed to be Steve Cohen's superpower with all of his laundered money that he was able to outspend anyone for anybody and, you know, basically have anything he wanted. Um, yeah, but bro, did you apparently... know he was the inspiration for Bobby Axelrod on Billions? I, you know what? I have not watched Billions. Although, actually, last night the actor who played, uh, um, oh my god, I, I'm spacing on his name, uh, Gail Bedecker from <laughs> from Breaking Bad was at the Knicks game that I was at, um, which we'll oh, get into okay. a little bit later. Yeah, put a pin um, in that. Yeah, we'll we'll stick. You know, but they they showed him as a uh, the guy from Billions, and I, you know what? He has a beard and he looks very different. But I was like, that's that's Gail. It's got the same voice. Um, we'll in November. And that's that's right. Uh, I don't think he started that a week ago. But, um, yeah, it was uh, – anyway, next game was fun, but we'll get into that later. Um, but, yeah, Steve Cohen not getting the guy that he wanted by and getting outbid by the Ricketts um, is uh, – and not that the Ricketts don't have money. They have a ton of money. The Cubs are yeah, you know, but, one of the more moneyed teams in the league, I'm sure. Um, yeah, but they, but they use it to, like, fund, like, weird – they the theme parks in Florida based they, around the 13th Psalm and that shit. and like, the uh, the freaking like their whole like Wrigleyville is a really cool place. But that is all owned by the Cubs. And, you know, that I'm sure is a very expensive upkeep in that whole area. Um, not that it reflects in their uh, their payroll because they do now have a higher one. But um, that's all kind of beside the point. Uh, Steve Cohen not getting the guy he wants, I think, is interesting. And what it signifies for the Mets going forward is that maybe they're not going to be flexing the kind of financial, you know, might that they would have uh, been expected to, you know, going into this offseason. Like, everyone was like, Otani is a Met because they're just going to give him $750 million. It's like, well, all right, well, let's pump the brakes on that. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, Mark, your your thoughts on uh, on the Mets offseason plans now with Mendoza as the, at, at the helm. Uh, well, I mean, I do think if they wanted counsel, they could have got him. I, I don't think Cohen didn't do this because of money. 
Um, even though I have some doubts that he is who he says he is in terms of spending money. Uh, and I probably said that before. Uh, I don't think you should trust the hedge fund crimes guy. Does he remind um, you of Elon Musk a little bit? Uh, it's, I mean, it's complicated. I A little bit, and that they're both billionaires <laughs> who bought a product that seems to be going downhill. Um, <laughs> and talked a big game before and, yeah. and in the process of purchasing said product and then completely... <laughs> tanked it very soon after right but yeah. but yeah i mean i think mendy's a good hire for them i wouldn't be too upset about losing counsel for that the yankees money. loved him so you know that that also whatever that's worth now <laughs> but yeah i will say the cubs just real quick they have a history of this when they hired joe madden they had rick renteria as their manager and they basically did the same thing that they did with rossi which was telling that they, he still had the job and then as soon as this guy became available they kind of just moved on very very quick and got yeah. the big name so this really shouldn't have it's, been surprising to it's anyone. It's kind of uh, gross, but, and by kind I mean very. But um, yeah, a little nasty to do. Maybe to Rossi. Ricketts is a bit of an asshole. Although I did meet him, he seemed nice enough. But I, he's a freak. But no, um, personal friend of Brody's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Ricketts, personal <laughs> friend. We we hang out. And Brody um, endorses all his views and opinions. Uh, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> you you can you can be very yeah. well versed in my thoughts and opinions if you listen to our other podcast. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so definitely some, some waves being made over in Queens. Um, and as far as the Yankees go also, before we move on to another sport, I just want to also talk about Juan Soto for a second, because he seems to be the apple of everybody's eye for very good reason. Um, everybody is, you know, putting together their mock trade packages with or without Jason Dominguez or Spencer Jones or, you know, Richard Fitz now is like a big one. Chase Hampton. It's all like I've seen Ben Rice. Yeah. It, yeah. It's everybody is just throwing shit at the wall and then something's going to stick if it happens. And they'll be like, oh, I was the one who came up with the package. And, you know, well, it's the it, this happens all every year. Um, but I I personally am very on the fence about trading for Soto. I think that he would be a massive fix for all of the problems that the Yankees have. Not all. all? Not all. Not all. Um, <laughs> but offensively, having a guy who's the actual true on-base guy behind Aaron Judge, or in front of Aaron Judge, um, would be huge. And that's, you know, he's a on-base machine. He knows how to hit for power. He gets extra base hits. He's not the best defender in the world, or he's not the fastest guy in the world. But, hey... You know what? We need offense, and he would provide it. Um, but I am conflicted about trading away Dominguez if it means that you know that's that's what they need in order to get it done. Considering the fact that he's going to be a free agent next year, um, one year of Soto, it's one year Soto is not worth Jason Dominguez. Um, I will go on the record as saying that. Um, and also, since Juan Soto is a, uh, a Scott Boris client, you know for a fact he's going to want him to do a whole big free agency and you know the whole, you know the woo sessions and everything. He's 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 Scott Boris. We're very familiar with what he does. Um, he loves having his clients having the biggest, you know, the most media frenzy free agency possible um driving the price up getting every big team involved um and if the yankees can just go out next year and pay for him and you know flex that financial might that they do when they really want someone i would much rather do that wait the year without him and you know what you're trading a year of judge and cole's prime obviously there's a that's a whole aspect of it but in the long run if you have dominguez come back and he can do anything remotely like what he showed um in the week or two that he played this year. Um, I I would much rather do that. I don't want to give up massive pieces for one year of Juan Soto when he could very, very easily leave the next year um, and maybe go to the Mets or the Cubs or the Dodgers or you know any other giant market team that's willing to spend um, the 500-plus million that it's going to take to get Juan Soto. Um, yep. coming into his age 26 season after this coming year. So, uh, yeah, going to be worth a lot of money. So, um, and the Yankees could absolutely do it if they, uh, if they feel up to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't even thought that far. I mean, my main plan for the off season at this point is to sign Kevin Kiermaier. So I'm, I'm also good with that, by the way, that's a good enough stopgap in the year between Soto. <laughs> I mean, I just think that he is someone who had a good year. He's getting up there in age, but I mean, he's a good hit. He's hit well last year, at least. He he's hasn't a good hit well hitter. in his career. He's a professional but, hitter. He's a professional yeah, major league baseball player. Incredible outfielder, and more, most importantly, keeps him away from other teams because I hate playing with that guy. So, yep. Um, 
I'd be okay with Kier Myers stopgap until Dominguez gets back, which hopefully should be sometime. I don't know, July maybe late June. We'll see. But yeah, yeah I mean, this I don't year, know. Should we should we move on to a team that's uh, winning games? Yeah, hold on one second. I was just gonna say Kier Myers this last year. If you don't know, had a two sixty five, three twenty two, four nineteen line. He had eight homers, thirty six RBIs in one hundred and twenty nine games. The RBIs are not necessarily indicative of. Uh, you know, of anything. Of anything. Um, but it's it is a low number. But um he also had twenty one doubles. So he's got you know he's also a gold glove caliber defender. So um actually he won a gold glove this year, looks like. So uh yep. yeah, worth getting. Um and he would also just kind of slot right in um in the one year possibly or two that it would take to get one Soto. Um yeah, so let's move on to a uh, a winning organization, Morg. You want to intro us on the Knicks? <laughs> we are the New York Knicks. 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 Go, go, New York, go. Go, go, New York, go, New York, go. Um, anyway, okay. yeah, last night I was at the Knicks game. It was awesome. Um, they beat the hell out of the L.A. Clippers. It was fantastic. The Clippers gave up with five and a half minutes remaining in the fourth. James Harden looked like a little bitch boy, as he is one to do when he plays on the Ooh. East Coast. Uh, it was really, really cool to go see a game against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and and uh, Russ had a great game, too, And unfortunately, but it didn't really matter. I just got to see some good basketball from some potential Hall of Famers, um, potential first ballot Hall of Famers, really, uh, and James Harden. Too. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a really fun game, and they beat the hell out of him. So, um, yeah, the Knicks I looked mean, great, man. They did. They really did. That was the first complete game they played all season, obviously. And, listen, I said this yesterday, but when they play like they did last night, they're right there with anyone in the conference. They yes, really are. They are. Now, the problem is that's an extremely rare game. <laughs> it doesn't happen every play. night. <laughs> when you have – you know, pretty good Randall, good Randall at the end there through uh, the, the last stretch of the game. When you have good RJ, when you have Mitch playing the best ball of his career through a few games, when you have Jalen facilitating and you have White Dante and America's uh, small forward Josh Hart coming off the bench and lighting things up, I mean, and obviously Emmanuel Quickly, who's Emmanuel I think quickly, should have been the sixth man of the year last year. So he's going to be this, this a, year. <laughs> he's a firecracker. That guy. So when you have. Right All now. those guys hitting, I mean, this team is really, really, really fun to watch. Unfortunately, they don't all hit at the same time often. It's very rare. I was going to say, the the thing with saying that when you have good Randall is that even last night, he was not good Randall for about 75% of the game, except in the 25% he was playing great. It was when it mattered most. So um, that's uh, that was good to see. Um, and Julius is just he's a very frustrating watch in general usually um because you always know that he's capable of so much better than he's showing except when he's showing what he's capable of and then you just are sad that it's not all the time um but last yeah, night he's, he's, he's kind of a head case i mean it's just like it, it, you could tell so much of his game is mental like he had like the worst yeah. i think it was the worst couple the worst start to a season basically i think he was shooting 271 or something until the game started last night just like a horrific start and you know as he goes so will the team so if he can find it i mean i think that that's the really the only way the season is going to go anywhere if he continues to struggle for most of games and looks lost uh it's going to be an uphill climb absolutely and i also wanted to talk about how the fact that when we came on here i think either a week or two ago i don't remember which episode but we talked about how the knicks came out and they looked a little lazy on defense that is not the case anymore last night mitch was incredible you had josh hart playing his freaking heart out no pun intended except maybe a little bit um and dante divincenzo playing really good d and looking like one of the best two-way players that this town has seen in a little bit. <laughs> it was really White fun to Dante, watch. Baby. He was lighting it up. He is basically uh, he's he's a better version of Evan Fournier. <laughs> he's uh, way more athletic um, and uh, a Me. lot more defense. Um, it was it was really fun to watch. That was a really good game to be at. Um, I was very very happy to be able to go. Um, and uh, yet, Jalen Brody Brunson, was on Celebrity Row. We, I was not, but I might as well have been last night because holy crap, they were slim pickings until the last yeah. minute. There, I was, yeah, I was updating just, Morgan on the uh, yeah. On can the we sightings. just say real quick? You want to you want to tell me who was on Celebrity Row yeah, last well, night let, again? Let's let's go back through the list because they opened up with something that uh, I was kind of getting worried that we were not going to really have much to uh, 
<laughs> not much to see here. Um, Joel Madden from Good Charlotte was the number one guy that they brought out in uh, in the first quarter to show, um, which was this is the anthem. Throw it, your damn hands up. You know what? It was it was like enough of a crowd pop where I was like, maybe they'll start off slow. Uh, number two was Gail Bedecker from Breaking Bad. Also some I forget his name in Billions. I haven't watched Billions, but that's what they used to to prove who it was or whatever. Um, and then you had the third, which was a UFC lightweight champion uh, whose name I had never heard of. And it, I, I texted you. It was a name that I couldn't type with an English keyboard. <laughs> it was, right. I, he was, uh, you know, definitely a, a Slavic UFC fighter whose name I, I didn't know. Um, but I'm sure he's for a all you know, deal, this could be the biggest star in the Balkans. It, it but absolutely you had no idea. could, but I just had no idea who he was. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a massive guy that I just don't know. He was a former champion. Um, then they followed it up with Luis Guzman and Aristotle Torres um, from a movie called Story Ave, which I and I'm if you're asking who are those of. people, listener, I'm with you. <laughs> not not entirely sure. I think I've heard of Luis Guzman before, um, but I again. Not really sure. Uh, then they followed that up. Finally, with a big name, they got Henrik Lundqvist up on the board. And it, the people I, were, yeah, uh, I was with, um, not entirely familiar with the Rangers, they're like, who is that? And I was like, that is uh, that is the most handsome New York athlete that there's ever been. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> yeah, an look, actor. Look up to the ceiling. You'll see his number hanging. It's Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's not an easy name to, uh, to miss. But um, yeah, so that was kind of cool to go see, uh, or that they put up Lundqvist. That was fun. Um, then... Finally, they started showing some, uh, you know, some real. We we got Nate Robinson and John Starks on the board. Love then them. we got um, we got a bunch more afterwards. That like little baby was there. Uh, they showed uh, like Marcus Camby was in the building, and of course Morgan, my favorite. Of course, naturally, Steve Sharippa. <laughs> of course. Well, as I said to Brody, he lives under the building. And yes. if you're not familiar with who that is, we're talking about Bobby Bacala and the Bobby Sopranos. Bacala. And uh, he is at every single Knicks and Rangers I, game. Which I am to be not fair, kidding. I have been. I would to do probably, that if I uh, No, of course I would too. But I think I've been to maybe I don't know, like fifteen Nick games in the last like six years or something like that. They're they're expensive. They're hard to go to. But I know for a fact <laughs> he has been at every single one of them. So absolutely, he's um, always there. It's uh, and that's that's not me being exaggerative or whatever. He has literally been at every single Nick game I've ever been to. Um, so you gotta love wait, it. He's the best. He's a New York guy. So real quick, just a quick aside. Did you happen to see uh, the Knicks play the Bucks last Friday? Yeah. Actually, I watched it with a good friend of mine who's a Bucks fan. So that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a very frustrating game. We won't get into the details of the game because no, they won and we're to. happy. But yeah. what did you think of the court? I was going to talk about that. I <laughs> am disgusted by this whole in-season tournament uh, style that they're doing. I don't mind the tournament itself. I think it's dumb. But, you know, it's the first year or something that they're trying Maybe in like five years, be like, oh, hey, you know, we lost to whoever last year. Let's see if we can beat them this year. Who knows? Um, but the way that they're doing this is horrendous. <laughs> like we were watching yeah. like all of the different ones. I think it was uh, it was the Bulls court that was the most egregious. The heat was bad, too. But the Bulls was like like really harsh red on like really dark maroon red. It looked horrible. Awful. Like it would burn your retinas like you were at an NFT conference it was right terrible yeah. hong kong ape fist yeah. like yeah that was sad and funny at the same time we'll cover that um, on our nft podcast <laughs> yeah exactly um this is now brothers nft corner but um yeah, yeah that was really rough to see um it was you know <laughs> like i also the jerseys all look terrible i just i don't understand why they're doing like who so who is designing these well, did you see what happened? The funniest thing to me was what happened with the Nuggets. Did you see this? Is it the fact that they put 5280 on their jersey bigger than anything else for some reason? No, but it could be. Um, so uh, Boston Celtics and Miami Heat legend Grant Williams uh, was taking some threes before the game. And okay. uh, he, he noticed that all of them seemed to be hitting the rim. And he was like, what's going on here? Am I just having an off day of shooting or is oh, the line no. painted wrong? Oh, and it turned out no. the line was painted wrong. <laughs> oh, how do you do that? It, uh, <laughs> I think that they did fix it, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, they, they, they messed up the line. Jesus Christ. That's 
pathetic. I mean, that okay. The whole thing with the painted courts too. I I actually didn't mind the Bucks. I hated it at first because it was the only one I had seen, and then I realized that the other ones were so much worse. Like at least the Bucks tried to go for some like natural grain look. Um, yeah, and I was like, hey, if the only thing that they were doing was like the stripe down the middle, like the colored stripe down the middle, and then like the wood grain on the outside of it. That's fine, um, but now everything looks like you're watching an Idaho State football game, and it's awful. So, <laughs> oh, Boise State, yeah, or Boise State. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was working, so I work in a sports TV uh, broadcast production, and I was working the Thunder game, and the court looked oh, like that was uh, the electric blue with the dark blue, right? It looked really bad. Awful. Yeah, it looked like a pond, and Awful. I was like, "This is." I said, to, "I mean, me and Nolan were talking on Twitter. It, it looked like how like birds fly into blue basketball courts <laughs> when you paint them blue outside because you think it's think water. It's water, yeah. It's what it looked like. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was terrible. I think it was the Hornets. I think that had the the neon blue and neon yellow too, which was <laughs> awful. It's just it's all bad." Um, there's yeah. a better. I give him credit for trying, but now it didn't work. So let's try something else. Let's let's not also keep it up after this because it was bad. And I know they're not going to stop doing it for the rest of this tournament thing, but they are. They're going to keep doing it, and they really shouldn't. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. time for Morg's free pick of the week, by the way. Oh yeah. So uh, real uh, quick context to that. Morg's free pick of the week is like two for two with the third in waiting. So <laughs> Rutgers was beating Ohio State at the half, just like I said they would. There and, you go. Uh, I hope you all took that and made some money. Um, <laughs> so my free pick of the week this week, uh, Wednesday night, Spurs in the Garden. Wemby's going to want to show out, so take the over on Wemby points. The line is set at 20 and a half. I'm oh. thinking he's dropping at least 25. Easy over. <laughs> Man. The guys love to show out in the garden, so he's going to be chucking the ball. And I, I really think that, yeah, he'll he'll have maybe maybe a maybe a 30-point night. So yeah. I would I would take the over on that. We'll see if I can keep this hot streak rolling. I haven't put any money on any of these myself. But <laughs> Don't maybe say I that. Maybe I'll start. Morgan Street should. Pick of the Week refuses to lose. Um, very fun. But uh, actually, I'm going to use that as a very solid launching pad to go into football because the Jets and the Raiders are signed up to uh, or are, oh are, are lined up to play in Vegas <laughs> this coming week. Uh, the total is 36, by the way, which is hilarious. But what's even funnier is the spread is the Jets by one and a half. Um, sure. So, Morgan. Let's let's get into the Jets really quick because the Giants we'll we'll talk about, but there's not much to talk about other than that the season is over. Team. We're not talking about the Giants until they, the very end. They need to be um, relegated to the ACC. Um, but <laughs> the uh, the Jets coming up in Vegas only by a point and a half against the freaking Raiders, who again firestorm cleared out the entire organization top to bottom, and Antonio Pierce, who has never coached a day in his life, uh, at you know. Uh, above like assistant coordinator or something um, High school, we, a, yeah. <laughs> we, we love antonio pierce obviously you have to um as giants fans but uh yeah man he showed up and beat the shit out of the giants and now all of a sudden he gets only a point and a half on the jets who are kind of well last night we're looking to be in line to win the division uh not so much anymore we'll get into that but more jets raiders <laughs> in a few days i mean what can you say i mean like the jets it's a disgrace, bro, to quote uh, Joe Beningo, an actual <laughs> New York sports legend. Uh, That's true. So the Jets last night, and let me be clear, okay? I am I know I had my rant about the Jets last week, but the Jets last week had won three games famous, in a row. Famous I rant. was emotional, no. and I was being a little unfair on them, okay? So last night, the Jets go against a quarterback who has never won a big game in his life. I think he's the most overrated quarterback in the league. That's my opinion. We don't have to get into that right now. We can Justin really Herbert. quick because Herbert is not – I don't think he's the most overrated quarterback in the league. Um, but He's the most overrated quarterback in NFL history. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> my God. Um, Herbert, <laughs> Herbert uh, he's – extremely talented i think he's just suffering from a bad case of chargers <laughs> like this is an issue that has been you know it's it's been bad forever as long as i can remember they have a ton of talent they never seem to be able to do anything with it um keenan allen have you Austin he might just stars. Be a loser. and okay, sorry okay philip rivers <laughs> philip rivers was also a loser but yet somehow he ended up as you know right next to eli in the passing books so it's you know um 
I, I don't think that's necessarily fair to put on to Justin Herbert just yet. I think he's really good. I think offensively, he's got a lot of talent. Justin <laughs> like, um, like Herbert's talent. trash will be in the XFL in two years. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the Jets were primed that. to win this game. Okay, they're coming off three straight wins. I'm sorry. I'm in my, I'm in my sports radio shock. No, shock no, no, no. Please keep going. It's great. It's they were great content. Primed, they were primed to win this game. Like they should have came in there and used that championship level defense and not the Chargers straight off the field. You mean like the '85 Bears? Exactly. And instead, I mean, I know you didn't see this game because you were at the Nick game. I, I did I was, miss it. I, I I caught the last five minutes of of uh, of regulation. Well, there was no right. time, but I caught the last five minutes of the game and was not impressed. <laughs> no, and, and I had it on the small screen because obviously the Knicks have precedence. But I, I the so. The Jets come out there, defense looks good, the Chargers can't move the ball. Immediately, the Jets give up a punt return touchdown, and it Hilarious. didn't get any better from there. Zach Wilson is horrible, but he's far from the only problem on this team. Aaron Rodgers is the worst GM in NFL history, okay? <laughs> Everyone that they brought in, all his fucking little friends that he brought in, has actively harmed the team. You have Alan he's, Lazard. He's who, a fucking he, little annoying kid at recess, like we're a package <laughs> with like his right. two annoying friends. <laughs> Randall Cobb was inactive. Alan Lazard's got stone hands and can't stop committing penalties. Uh, Dalvin Cook is getting 1.4 yards a carry. And it's just sucking the energy out of the team, as I said a few weeks ago. I don't think that's that Dalvin Cook is on Aaron Rodgers. I think that's more on Joe Douglas. But again, we've talked about uh, Dalvin Cook before. <laughs> it's right, and it's not uh, going great. It hasn't gotten better. Right, and then uh, Billy Turner, who was a backup offensive tackle that was in last night, this is to a lesser degree because he shouldn't have been expected to play. Also, was horrible. He was a former Packer that Rodgers wanted brought in and gave up like a bunch of sacks last night. But anyway, Sad. nobody's worse than Nathaniel Hackett. Okay, that guy's a joke. And this team is not Would prepared to play on offense. Yeah, he's a hack. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, you can put all sorts of things. You can say the offensive line's horrible. You have five pre-snap penalties. You know, th- this team, the league average. This is a stat I wrote down because it's insane. The league average on third and four or less. So, like, third and short, maybe a touch longer, is about 60%. that You'll pick that up, okay? You want to guess where the Jets are? I'm going to guess 32nd. They're last, and they're under 25% that they're picking yeah. up third and fours or less. So, I mean, this offense is, like, historically bad. They almost lost to a Giants team that was throwing the ball backward, as I said last week. So, <laughs> like, this... And the with thing Joe Hackett, Pesci at quarterback, by the way. <laughs> yeah, with a, with a Italian mobster playing quarterback. This Jets team is just... A disgrace and they're wasting a great year from the defense it's only going to get more expensive it's not ever going to be like this again robert Sala looks like he's aging for 20 years on the sidelines that is the funniest I mean, development of all of this by the way is that every time you see robert Sala, it's like a, it's i mean it's like a uh a medieval painting it's like he ages yeah. <laughs> like 10 years every game it's amazing yeah, he's going reverse dorian gray mode exactly episode title uh, <laughs> there, there you go yeah uh, um yeah so i mean the jets it's just like what team is going to show up this week you know and, and let me say this if Rodgers was on this team I don't think I mean they look better because they can't look worse they do look better with Rodgers I'll give them that they they could not look worse it's impossible they couldn't look worse yeah I don't know how much better because Rodgers doesn't have the mobility that Wilson has behind this offensive line I can't see Rodgers staying upright for more than two no. plays so like if he tries to come back this season, he's gonna have to get his leg amputated. Yeah, seriously, that's the craziest part about all this is whenever Jets fans are like, "But if we had Rogers, if you had Rogers, he would have gotten the shit kicked out of him by week four, and he'd be out." There's anyway. no, yeah, like, there's no situation with this line as is currently constructed no. that Aaron Rodgers is playing a full season. The only person who could survive behind this is like a 25 year old who can run, and Zach Wilson luckily is that, but that is all he is. So that's the only reason <laughs> right. that he's been able to survive this season. So it's. Uh, you know, and by the way, to the detriment of every Jets fan, because I think if anybody right. else was back there, um, I mean, look, you had Tyrod Taylor, who's a, you know, a good backup and arguably should have been the backup for the Jets before the season. That's, you know, they needed a real uh, like a capable NFL, you know, caliber quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. Tyrod Taylor on the Jets with an offensive line that is just as bad just broke his ribs and he's out for like four weeks. So, I mean, it's, yeah. you know what? You need to be able to protect your quarterback or they're going to die. Daniel right. Jones tore his ACL again, not necessarily just because of the offensive line, but it's a huge part of it. I, I don't understand how anybody thinks that this team was going to be capable of doing anything with Aaron Rodgers when he would be literally six feet underground by this point in the season if he was still out there. I Correct. And I just want to make a point no about sense. Zach Wilson, who, again, is horrible. I'm not trying to He's your favorite him, quarterback you, in the league, right behind Justin uh, Herbert. Th- 
Uh, Zach Wilson, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, do you remember <laughs> I know, our first episode where I talked about why Daniel Jones is bad this year? It's because the internal clock is sped up, and he's not yes. predicting the pressure accurately, and he's feels like he's getting sent 40, 40 guys are running at him every play, even if they're not. Yeah. That's what's happening to Zach Wilson now behind this line. Everything is so sped yeah. up for him that he is freaking out on every play. And, and there, he was not capable one... of playing, by the way, when it was not. Like, when he had time to think, which last year – say what you will, but it seemed like he had more time the last two years and he was able yeah. to do nothing with it. So it's yeah, worse Well, now. they didn't have the injuries. They had Elijah Vera Tucker was there. But like I was saying, his internal clock is just so sped up. He has no idea when this pressure is coming. Yeah. Like, it, it's just like he's so in his own head about these blitzers. And I get it. Look, if five 280-pound 6'6 freaks are running I at me, that's, that's I'm going to get afraid too. But he should be used to it. That's underselling you know? how heavy these guys are. I think yeah, they're about 340. <laughs> um, and they're like 6'5". So but it is his job to know the pressures are coming. Yeah. Um, so he does have to figure that out and not hang on to the ball forever or try to force it out right away. Look, it's the exact same issue that people have had with Zach Wilson since he got here. There's no sense. He has no feel for what he's supposed to be doing. He can't complete short passes. He can't complete long balls. He just he's he can't. He just can't like whatever it is. He can't do it. Um, right. The only thing he can do is run. And again, he doesn't do that very well. Um, they really and I said this last week and I'm going to stand by it. I said I wasn't really sold on Sala anymore. I, I used to think he was great. Um, maybe not great. I used to think he was capable and just didn't have the pieces or, you know, Zach Wilson wasn't the guy for him or whatever. Um, but I truly am really kind of starting to to doubt what he can do. I, I don't. I don't understand. Now, again, I don't feel the same way about Brian Dable that I do about Robert Sala, and they have a very similar issue facing them right now, which is there's no offensive line, their quarterback play is bad, and their talent is underperforming. Um, And, well, for the Giants, at least, there's a lack of talent, whereas the Jets have talent, which he is unable to unlock, apparently. Um, But Sala is just not looking like he has a handle on this situation whatsoever. Um, And I... We can we can hop into the Giants based off of that because I think the only conversation worth having is the coaching at this point. Um, but it's it's sad to watch uh, Jets yeah, fans it, think that this team still has a shot at anything, let alone the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. So, well, uh, yeah, yeah, and let me say, Sala, like I really like Sala. Like he's like the only thing about the Jets I like besides Brees Hall. I agree. I think he's a yeah. good coach. I still think that, but he's in real danger of losing the locker room here. That's like I, by I agree. By the way, he's still the only thing that i like about the team that being said i i'm losing faith in him but yes i mean yeah like you keep running this guy out there eventually you're gonna have what you have with the oilers in the 90s which is where the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator throwing punches at each other on the sidelines <laughs> like you, th- yeah. this cannot the center cannot hold you know the falcon can no longer hear the falconer and all that sure so like yeah it's uh yeah so yay it's for you um so it's just a bad situation you really I, understand I just our audience to- yeah, <laughs> I just I just don't know what to say about that. It. It's it's bad. And I feel like I don't think if they bring in another quarterback, it's magically going to get better because their problems are not only Zach Wilson. He's probably the biggest one, but they got a lot of problems on that team. And yeah, they got a lot of work to do if they want to get to the playoffs. They do have the schedule to do it if it's in front of them, it's, if they want it. But I don't know if they want it. Boy, that sounds familiar. It's right in front of them. All they have to do is go take it. How'd that work for the Yankees? Um Anyway, you are speaking of a lot of problems and nothing going right for them. Let's get into the New York Giants because there is, again, not much to talk about at this point other than the coaching because the season is dead as a doornail. They are just floating around after the shipwreck waiting to drown. I mean, this is like it's it's pathetic. Everybody is hurt or on the hot seat now. I I, like people are already saying you got to move on from Dable, which I pump the brakes on that, Um, although. I understand it, but I think you got to slow down with that. Um, Dable, I, I think again, is he's been giving given a, a bad hand. I I don't understand uh, how they look so unprepared because I do think that Dable is a good coach, but they really have not shown up for a single game this season except for the second half of that Cardinal game and arguably the Bill game. Um, but this has been. A, just a, a disaster of a season where there is literally nowhere to go but up, you'd hope. Um, and Three words. Go ahead. Let Tommy cook. Oh, my. Shut the. Tommy DeVito <laughs> is the up. savior of the franchise. Oh, my God. Where are you from? Uh, Edgewood Cliffs. <laughs> like, 
My God, Mawa. <laughs> My God, yeah, Englewood Cliff, not Edgewood Cliffs. Yeah, um, this is some Saddle River shit. Yeah. Listen to me. Oh boy. I am so depressed with this team that I have pinned my hopes hurt to anymore. Tommy DeVito in the hopes that he can at least be fun for me to pretend is really good for the rest of the season. Look, I so, I mean it when I say it, it doesn't hurt anymore. It really doesn't. After that game, like that game started off and I was like, "All right, Giants game. Here we go." And then it was like over within 10 minutes. I was like, "Cool. Next thing on my <laughs> night." <laughs> like I was like, "Let's let's move on here. This is terrible um right and by well, the listen, way i'm happy for antonio pierce i really am i am too I love that guy i am too i i am glad that he's a getting a shot um in a league where you know that doesn't happen often um right and b that he you know apparently has earned the respect and the trust of the locker room because we we saw him handle himself very well <laughs> in uh in the locker room as a giant and he was a leader on you know a very good defense that won a super bowl um, oh speaking of that did you hear the story about why mcdaniels got fired no but actually before you get into that i just want to say that you were on to something last week because you yes, were like I, I hate josh mcdaniel uh and then within three days maybe they listened they uh they kicked his ass to the curb so what, so, what were you gonna right. say? okay so here's what happened so this is per jay glazer who's a really good reporter I like Jay Glazer because he's not on Twitter constantly. Um, although he <laughs> did post something weird report. today that made me think Sylvester Stallone died, but really he was just shouting him out. Anyway, naturally, all that aside, <laughs> uh, Jay Glazer's a good reporter. He just like goes on TV and says things that are credible. He doesn't. He's not on Twitter all day posting microtransactions. Not, not so sensationalist. What he said, yeah, yeah. So what he said happened is McDaniel's invited all the coaches to speak at a meeting uh, two Thursdays ago after they lost to the Lions, and. What uh, Antonio Pierce got up there and said, we need to play for each other. We need to have each other's backs. I've been a part of a team that did that. The 2007 Giants, we won a Super Bowl <laughs> doing that, believing in each other, playing gritty football. And it was very well received in the room. But Josh McDaniels, if you'll remember, New England Patriots guy, didn't appreciate it. Not a and huge fan of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, after the meeting, apparently he pulled Pierce aside and he said, don't ever talk about the Patriots that way. And uh, that's serious? why he got fired, according to Jake Glazer. Are you serious? That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you know what? Now I kind of like uh, Mark Davis a little more that he sided with the Giants over the Patriots. Well, it's uh, just ridiculous that you're not coaching I, the I Patriots. Don't, I, don't, I don't really like Mark Davis, by the way. I want to preface that. But, um, yeah, man, that's, that's ridiculous that, first of all, he's still holding that grudge, and B, can't accept that they lost – that Super Bowl, which was uh, checks notes sixteen years ago, um, right. so that's kind of weak, weak shit. <laughs> like, weak listen, it's not my fault bullshit. that he sees Jay Alford coming up the middle for a sack when he goes to sleep at night. Okay? <laughs> that's not not what you want. Um, but speaking of the Giants, I do want to get in real quick on this upcoming game, which is uh, at the Dallas Cowboys. Which, if we all remember, the season ended in Week One uh, when the Giant or the uh, the Cowboys came to town and just absolutely pummeled the Giants to a, a pulp um, to the point where they literally could not stand back up this season. As much as that pains me to say, it's very true. Um, but the Giants are going down to Jerry World. Uh, the spread is the Cowboys minus 16. <laughs> <laughs> the total is 38 and a half. Take the over. <laughs> yeah, take the over. Uh, listen, this could be one of those weird games where the Cowboys get up so big early, like 24 to nothing, that they just take it their just foot holds. off the gas. Yeah, it's possible. So maybe don't go for like, like a fifty to nothing spread or something like that. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm not I don't even know. I mean I'm gonna watch obviously. There's only seventeen of these things, but it's just you gotta watch. Unfortunately, it's just depressing. And I I mean there's really nothing to watch for. The only thing I can watch for is my man Tommy DeVito becoming the next Tom Brady. <laughs> um, and he already is the best quarterback in league history, named Tom. That's I think true. that's established. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He, is the best player in right uh, now the history is of organized shaking sports. His boots. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, really, I'm only watching to see if Tommy DeVito can be fun to watch, which he probably can. He's probably fucking terrible. But I'm going to pretend he's good because that's how I get through the day. Uh, <laughs> um, so after this season, they got to believe in something in this life. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. After, this, after the season, they got to draft a quarterback. I don't think that's a question anymore. Yeah. They're going to be a top. They're looking like they're looking at top five pick. They got to take one of these quarterbacks. It's going to be a good draft for quarterbacks. I, I feel uh, like it's going to be Drake May, and I'm saying that based on nothing except for my gut, and I feel like he feels exactly like who would follow up Daniel Jones. That does feel right, and what's going to happen is people hate the Giants, which I get. They've been a clown show for 10 years, but if the Giants ten. take Drake May, 
what's going to happen is people say this is just Daniel Jones 2.0 because he went to UNC and Daniel Jones went to Duke. Yeah. That's not the case. Drake May has always been a much better prospect than Daniel Jones. So if people do say that, don't fall for it. It's not true. Drake May is going projects at least at this point to be a much better NFL quarterback than Daniel Jones, who was kind of one of those like late February to March guys who came out of nowhere for the draft. So yeah. if they do tra- take Drake May, I wouldn't be devastated. So it, I, here's my way too early big board for the draft. I feel like you're going to end up seeing the Bears with the number one overall pick thanks to Carolina. I think they're going to end terrible. up taking Caleb Williams. The Panthers are terrible. I'm in a Survivor League where I picked the Colts to take down the Panthers. And if you know nothing about Survivor League, the Colts are like freaking uh, what's the word? What's Superman's kryptonite? There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Colts are just a mess always, and yet I trusted them to beat the Panthers, and it worked. Um, and that is really saying something. Um, so that should be enough to uh, to prove how bad the Panthers are. Um, they're they're awful, um, and they don't have their first pick, which is hilarious. Uh, so I think you're going to end up seeing Caleb Williams probably going to the Chicago Bears um, first overall, and I think the Giants will end up somewhere around two or three. To be honest with you, um, I don't know who else would even come close because if the Cardinals start playing Kyler Cardinals. Murray, I'm assuming. Well, I was about to say if the Cardinals start Sorry. playing <laughs> Kyler Murray, I'm assuming they're going to end up somewhere around four wins, which is nothing um but kyler is not someone who's gonna lose every single game that he plays in now he's gonna lose a lot and he's not very good um but i can see him winning at least two or three um especially if they have any bad teams on their roster which they most likely will um on their roster excuse me on their schedule so yeah i uh i feel like the giants end up somewhere around two or three and they're gonna end up taking drake may Drake May season, baby. It's and then May he's going to get round. ruined once again. And whoever, by the way, whoever the Giants do draft in this quarter, in this uh, in this draft, um, it's going to be a quarterback. A, that's what we know. And also, it's going to be the legacy of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Um, so they they were not, you know, behind the Daniel Jones draft pick. Obviously, that was years ago at this point. Um, and they did extend him. They did extend him, but to the what was their option really? I, you know, they um, they, 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 they structured it they, as they best as they it. could to make it not matter next year. They basically gave him a one year deal with a second year that's just going to be a dead cap hit. It's fine. Um, but well, I, I would imagine they'll keep him on the roster next year. I don't know how much he's going to play. Obviously, yeah. due to his torn ACL and the fact that he won't be the starter anymore. Yes, but he will be on the roster. So, I, and after next year, in case you don't know about the Jones contract structure, which is really all I know about at this point, yeah, uh, there is a pretty easy out for the Giants to cut him. So, yes, he does have to be on the roster for next year, though. Yeah. Um, and actually, I I also wanted to take the opportunity to say, yeah, we pretty much everyone knows this is the end of Daniel Jones as the Giants' starting quarterback, and I. I was thinking about that yesterday with a little bit of rose-colored glasses um, for one reason only, and that was because in his first game when he took over for Eli, if you remember that rushing touchdown that he scored at the end of the game and put the ball in the air, I remember very vividly how I felt at that moment, which was like, hey, that's new, and that's fun, and it felt really nice, and there's been a lot of problems with Jones, and I was thinking about how I'm going to remember him, and the only thing that really stood out over everything else is I'm going to think back and say, man, we never really got to see what he was actually capable of because he had terrible coaching, terrible players all around him. I feel like he's going to go to Tennessee next year and light it up. And it's just going to be like, you know, well, not well, Tennessee has Levis, but I know what you mean. It's, Oh, I forgot about Will Levis. Good point. Maybe not. I I had that in my head for so long, but you're right. Um, Hmm. Where's he going to go? Maybe, maybe Arizona. (laughs) Um, Uh, Maybe uh, I can't go to Vegas. Can't go. To, he won't go to the Lions. Patriots. We'll go to the Patriots. Patriots is a good pick, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I could see that. Or maybe he'll go be the backup for uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> next yeah, year. enjoy him. Um, well, here's what I would say about yeah. Jones. Jones was not good. Okay, I, I don't think I could sell you on Jones. No, being a, he wasn't. Okay, good. well, here's he what I'll say. He good, wasn't great, but I don't think I could sell you on him being a great. No, okay, he, I I wouldn't I, look. I I was gonna say he wasn't good, but I don't think it was ever fully his fault. That's what I was gonna end with. It's just like no. it's he never got a full shake. <laughs> Right. And as I much mean, as we saw him, the question every offseason, this is the last thing I'll say, the question every offseason was like, well, is this going to be the year finally when we learn if Daniel Jones is the answer or not? And we never fucking got an answer. So it just, you know, it kind of goes to show. Everyone knew he was talented, but it just never worked out. Go ahead. Here's what I would say about Daniel Jones. 
I, I can remember, I'll remember him basically by saying this, which was, uh, he wasn't great, but he was way better than I thought he would be. Um, yep. when they drafted him, I thought that he would be like a burnout after one year, like Blaine Gabbert in Jacksonville situation. And it wasn't that he did turn into a capable quarterback for a good chunk of time. He, I'll remember him mostly as a guy who couldn't really stay on the field. A lot of it through no fault of his own, bad offensive line, bad play calling, you know, a guy who was put him, putting himself in harm's way for the team. I'll remember him as a real tough guy, a guy Very who never tough. really set, said anything bad about the constant shit that he got. Never really like, said people, anything at all, actually. Yeah. People talk about Daniel I've Jones for some reason. three times. <laughs> right. People talk about Daniel Jones for some reason the way they talk about someone who committed, like, an actual, like, heinous act. No. Like, people have a lot of hate for him for some reason. And It's because I, he's it, representative it, it's, of a very bad uh, organization and organizational philosophy and, and yeah, everything But he's else. never yeah. been anything but professional. He's been a good teammate, a good leader. Seems like a good guy, and I have no ill will towards him as a human being. Same. But it is time to move on. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I don't think I'll think of him, like, really fondly, but I don't think I'll think of him the same way I think of, like, uh, you know, like, I don't think I'll think of him the same way Jets fans think of Adam Gase and Sam Donald. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. think fail, yes. completely fail. Like, they did That's win a, a playoff good, game. It's not good, but yeah, whatever. Good, good comparison. Fine. I... I don't know. Uh, another, like I remember when they drafted Jones. It's interesting that you talk about that too, because I I was very distraught when they drafted Jones. Um, I remember specifically. I was on the phone. I was in college. I was walk. I remember exactly where I was. I was walking back um, from class, um, and I was on the phone with my roommate. And he was like, "They took Daniel Jones." And I I literally I like I went into like a crouching position with my hand on my head, like, "Oh my God, why?" Um, just cause I, I don't remember who I wanted really bad that, that draft, but I know it was Josh Allen, not, not the quarterback, the defensive end uh, it was w- the guy. You know what? I think you're right. I think it was, um, wait, I'm going to actually pull up that draft real quick. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, it was a rough one. And I, I was very pleasantly surprised by what, um, what we saw from him and it was really, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was, Look, it, it hasn't been great with Daniel Jones, but again, he gave us a lot to to you know actually enjoy, which is more than anybody else on the Giants roster can say since Odell Beckham. Um, so it's uh, you know it's a shame that this is how it has to end, but it you know everything ends. And uh, oh, you know what? It was Dwayne Haskins. That's who I really uh-huh. wanted at the time. Rest in peace. Yeah, that was, that's tragedy. That, it was. Um, I was convinced that because he really wanted to be a giant, I was convinced that he was going to be the next best thing. Yeah, um, well, we'll never know because he really only had that one season where he didn't yeah. look very good and then unfortunately, unfortunately. obviously tragically passed away. So yeah, we'll really never know sad. what was the right choice there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's it's a sad way to end the Jones era. But um, you know, on the bright side, maybe it means that Joan or uh, Jones, Joe, and Shane, and Brian Dable can go get someone who they see as their guy, and he'll be cheap. So hopefully, they can go actually get some real talent for the roster, and uh, you know, try it again. Yeah, I don't know. Everything dies, baby. That's a fact. But maybe everything that dies one, one day, day comes back. Comes back beautiful isn't it quote a new jersey poet <laughs> exactly um yeah all right uh anything else you want to touch on before we kind of get going here yeah i'm gonna do 30 seconds on the brooklyn nets i was actually about to do the exact same thing <laughs> go ahead <laughs> uh they're off to a pretty good start they're pretty well coached i think cam thomas might be that guy he had 45 points last night just looks really good comfortable in that offense they need a little more from bridges but he's playing a lot of minutes um, he needs to score a little bit more, I think, if they want to have a chance at winning a ton of games. Uh, but he's been pretty good. He just hasn't been great like we saw him down the stretch last season. So I think if he can step it up and be the scorer that he was at the end of last season or something close to that, I think you could be looking at like a six or seven seed because I do think they're very well coached. Yeah, um, I That's was going to say, too, Cam, uh, Cam Thomas so far is averaging close to 30 points a game, which is, you know, worth noting uh Mikhail Bridges is averaging 22 about which is uh you know again it's good it like that's if they have two guys that they need to be the offensive threats is them um and uh yeah I don't know Jacques Vaughn has a pretty good handle on this team it seems like they're three and four right now and they just got um beat in a squeaker against the Bucks um but they uh 
Yeah, I don't know. This is this is a more fun team than I think I was expecting them to be. Um, that being said, they're not going to be doing anything down the stretch, I don't think. Um, but yeah, actually, and this is a good uh, good time to talk about the Bucks too, because I see them as really, you know, in the East, they should be winning handedly. A good friend of mine who is a Bucks fan, I mentioned him earlier, he is very distraught with the fact that Dame Lillard is on the team. Um, and he, the other night when we were watching the game, he was consistently pointing out how bad he is defensively. Uh, and then right. he would hit some insane freaking circus three and was like, you okay. <laughs> oh, he'll do that. Yeah. Well, and I, I was like, this is, this guy is one of the best offensive players in the league. And you're just, you know, you're just salty. <laughs> well, he, you should he be really happy. You have a little... Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. He, body language hasn't been great, but I have a conspiracy. I think he just is tr- still trying to force his way to Miami. Um, I think yeah, that makes sense. the Bucks, the Bucks really won't care the same way that he, uh, the Blazers cared about not trading him where he wants to go. Yeah. So I think maybe in his head, he's like, maybe if I'm so obviously miserable, I can force them to get me to Miami after the season for what they would have given the Blazers. Right. Which is like Tyler Hero and uh, whatever his name is, the first round pick from this year and a couple picks. But, I mean, I don't know if that's the case. I really am just looking for an explanation because he hasn't looked like Dame that we've seen before. But he was really, really good in that fourth quarter against the Knicks, obviously, because yep. it's the Knicks. Um, he's still a Hall of Famer and do expect them to turn around. I do think they miss Giroux, though. I think they miss his playmaking I ability. And I, I think they miss, like, his, his energy. and his, They miss just, his defense. I know that. His defense, absolutely. Yeah. So it's... It's a little tough, but I, I do think the Bucks will figure it out. I'm not worried about the Bucks. They've also only lost two games um, by <laughs> like 20 points each. Like in both of those games, like it was, uh, they lost to the Raptors 130 to 111, and they lost um, to the, uh, excuse me, I was about to say the Falcons. They lost to the Hawks 127 to 110. Um, and other than that, they've won relatively close games. Um, so. If they lose, it's a blowout, <laughs> and if they can keep it close, they win. So uh, okay. I don't know; they're, so they're your, dangerous. Yeah. So that's your two-minute chunk on the Hawks and the Nets. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's your two-minute chunk. Chunk. I'm just. Yeah, that's your two-minute chunk. There you go. On the Bucks and the Nets. There you go. And that'll do it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will. Let's go, Knicks. Um, keep on chugging. They're three and four right now. By the way, if they they need to rack up some more wins. Um, and hopefully, uh, actually, wait, let me look at their schedule really quick before we get out of here. I'm oh, I got it. They got San Antonio on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, and then I believe they got Charlotte. Yeah. They're scared. I'm actually going to that game on Sunday against Very Charlotte. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's a 12 o'clock start on Sunday. And they go uh, five then, games on the five road. Five road games. <sighs> at Boston, Man. at Atlanta, at Washington, at Charlotte, at Minnesota. So of those games, I mean, Boston and Minnesota are playing really well. They had yeah. a great game between those two last night. So. Uh, those two will be tough. The other three seem like winnable. they should be winnable, especially Washington, who's horrible. So yeah. hopefully this is an opportunity for the Knicks to pick up some games here because once that they Hawks hit around game, Thanksgiving. Yeah, that Hawks game is going to be the make or break to see if they can go over 500 on that five-game stretch. And by that, I just mean go 3-2 and two instead of 2-3, and three. Um, whether or not they can win down in Atlanta. Um, but there are some winnable games there. Uh, after that, they got the Heat and the Suns coming to town, which is fun. But um, – yeah, I don't know. They need some wins, so go get them. Go next, baby. Go next. All right. Tibbs, by the way, is awesome. <laughs> uh, Tibbs is the goat. He he really he's he's coming into his own as the Knicks head coach. <laughs> I love, I love Tibbs. that that single man. He's he's glorious and adorable. Um, all right. Well, I think that'll probably do it for us here on the Stow Brother New York Sports. We appreciate you guys coming and checking in with us. Um, Morg, any anything to plug? Yeah, follow me on uh, Twitter at Morg of the Flies, like the novel Lord of the Flies. Again, but you Morg, just have a M-O-R-G. great handle on our audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same place on Blue Sky. Uh, yeah, find me there. I'll be complaining like I do on here. Naturally. I'm at BoardGuy23 on Twitter, and I am just at Brody S on Blue Sky, B-R-O-D-Y-S dot Blue Sky dot social dot net dot com dot web dot org dot gov. Um, yeah. Thanks for checking in. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.